Listen to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. I am Mike Luke, currently in Sacramento, coming back tomorrow morning. Jason Shearer, who did want wanted nothing to do with Sacramento after the game and decided, you know what, I'm getting out of here. I don't want anything to do with Mike Luke or the world of basketball, but here he is, standing strong. Hello, Jason. Hello, Michael. How are you doing today? Splendid. I took that 6 a.m. flight right out of town. All right. But you know what? This is why we got people on here. Look at this. Kobe Thiel, it ain't easy back in the A. B-Cat, always back in the A in perpetuity. Uh, let's see. We can, let's see. We can only back the A when, techno when technology allows it. Let's see here. And uh, the great Ricky Garrett, I'm wearing my back the A shirt. All right. You guys are all the best. All right. Now, let's get to the bad before we can get to the good. Um, Jason, uh, this was, you just got to call it what it was. This was a pathetic performance against Princeton, and I could deal with it a lot easier if Princeton was making shots. And, you know, they're, oh, man, it's like the Sam Decker thing where you're going 9 of 10 from 3 in the first half. Well, what are we supposed to do here? Princeton sucks. They didn't even make anything. Dude, if I if I gave you a bot, if I, if I told you before the game, yeah, Princeton's going to score 59 points and shoot 40% from the field, you would have told me they lost by 30. Right. I mean, <laughs> seriously. It was – it was bad. I mean, it, it is one of, I don't think it's the worst. I know we've had this debate. It is one of the worst losses in program history. And it, it's embarrassing because like you said, this isn't some upstart, you know, mid-major. Princeton did not play very well and they still beat Arizona. All right. My guy Staten here, who I think begrudgingly likes me at this point, but we'll see. Maybe not. Um, Matthew Bothwell, good morning. Back the A for the women's team tomorrow. Yes, yes, absolutely there, Matthew. All right. Now, let's talk about this team and what they need to do going forward. What we did find, and we talked about this throughout the uh, we talked about this throughout the year, is, is that Arizona is Tommy Lloyd did a I think did a, overall did a magnificent job during the regular season with this squad because, as we talked about, there's one star and then there's kind of a bunch of other dudes. Um, but what you saw against Princeton, though, was a team that looked disengaged, looked flat, and at the end of the game, it was in particularly astonishing because nobody wanted the ball. I mean, people are giving, uh, you know, people are giving, uh, you know, Courtney Ramey some grief for taking, you know, those shots. I give him no grief because at least he wanted to take those shots. Yeah, I thought that was the most alarming thing was, you know, there was the play right right in front of me where I think it was Caden Pierce on Princeton dove for the ball and called timeout while one guy in Arizona watched him and the other guy hesitated to, to dive. And it's right. like, no, March, like you better dive. And, um, you know, that it was a big play in the game. And it's like if if one team is very clearly – playing harder than the other it's an issue and like when you sat and watched the tournament games that did involve arizona um you know the common theme was guards and effort and, and right. if you don't play hard at this time of year you're losing the harder team generally wins in, in march and and that's what ha that's what happened with arizona well and let's talk a little bit i thought kirk crease's remarks were alarming to be honest with you now you were there i was going live in the post game with the great ben white but sheer basically say i mean because you were right there what did kirk creasa say um that uh, how bad does fdu beat princeton that's a great question there um but uh what essentially did kirk creasa say and what was his body language when he said it yeah i mean it was it was just me and kerr in the locker room and and he just you know he was frustrated it wasn't like, oh, they played harder than us. It was they played harder than us, and, and it's crazy. Like, it's it's unacceptable. And, 
Um, you know, it, it wasn't, it was something that I think hit them at the end of the game because Pella said the same thing. But for you to admit, for two players to admit that the other team played harder, I mean, that's that's an issue. You could say it starts from the top and goes all the way down. I mean, it should never be an issue. And the only time I can remember someone admitting that was, like I mentioned to you, was Parker after the uh, the loss to Buffalo. Yeah. And part of that to me was, okay. You, you know, guy they, Parker. Yeah, they gave so much with the FBI and all that that eventually it, it you gave get it. out. Right. You got it at that time because of everything that was going on. This year, it's like, no, there, there's just no excuse for you to be able to admit that and recognize it that soon after the game means that there's a, a very clear issue. Now, we did find out some things I think that we know pretty well going forward. And again, this isn't going to be all bad because we try to keep it positive on this show. And there's uh, there are some very positive things to get forward. What I think you also found out, too, is that while Azulis Tabellis, a very, very good player, I'd, I'd love to have him back. Um. He's not necessarily somebody that embraces the big moment. I mean, I think we saw it again at the end of the game where Princeton's given him a 16-foot shot, you know, and he kind of hesitates, takes one dribble in, takes a kind of a semi-attempt at the shot, it gets blocked, and then he doesn't touch the ball the rest of the uh, the rest of the game. That, to me, didn't look like a guy that really wanted the ball at that moment. It's a very weird situation watching him up close because it was Princeton. I, I thought Princeton did a great coaching job, great scheme, out coach Tommy. Like they, they had a great plan. And the issue was they basically said, we're going to give Ujulis the 16 foot jumpers. And eventually they left him open so many times that I think it got in his head. Like, why am I open? Should I shoot this? Why they, they obviously don't think I can make it. What if I don't make it? And then he had the jumper where he clearly hesitated he got it blocked because he hesitated and it was absolutely in his head because the plays that he took it to the basket, no one could guard him. Right. No one on Princeton could guard him. Right. Even when they were sagging off, he found it a is way to Princeton, keep in mind. Princeton. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he had the play where he was doing spin moves and was like, oh, there he's gonna drop 40. And then he just start, started shooting jumpers because that's what Princeton gave him. And eventually, like it was the same trap where you know they they lost to Stanford. Stanford gave them threes and they weren't going in, but they kept shooting them. And in that, in, in Arizona became kind of easy to scout for. And, and because they fell for it, they weren't aggressive. And zoo was the same way. He became a jump shooter and no one wants a six eleven jump shooter. doesn't do anybody any good. All right. Twin, uh, unless they're like Dirk Nowitzki. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we don't have Dirk Davitsky on this team. All right, Twin Mama AA, great name. Do you think uh, Tommy laid into the players after they admitted it because he seemed shocked that they said it? No, you know, I this time of year you don't you just don't do it. I mean, you looked at like Matt Painter's presser. He he did it. Oh, we're gonna get to Matt Painter. But but you don't like Tony Bennett when they lost to the sixty. You don't criticize your players at the end of the tournament. Right. You assume that they're that they're feeling it already. You're not laying into anyone. You're kind of like you know what. Great season. Love you guys. Let's move on and meet again next week. All right. Now, I do got to give a few guys some credit right here. Umar Ballo. Um, Umar, to me, is, you know, you get a lot of people that wonder how much do these some of these guys really care. You cannot put that on Umar Ballo right there. He was playing and uh, he was playing and Mulebach said it the other day. And so I'm going to I'll let you say it as well. He was playing with a broken hand and um you know, and but what I did find curious, and Mulebach, who's much smarter than me, obviously made this point. It was odd though, because 
he's never had great hands to begin with. It was odd that Tommy kept trying to go, or Tommy Lloyd tried to keep going with the high-low with Tabellus at the top when Vallow clearly couldn't catch the ball. That, to me, was fascinating as well. Yeah, and and so like he, if you watch the game, he was slapping the rebounds back instead of grabbing it. And after the game, I was like, you were, you were doing that because of your injury? And he said, yeah. But then right away, he said, Jason, don't write it as an excuse. As you, and then you did report it. I like it. Well, not he didn't say don't report it. He said, don't write it as an excuse. It's not right. an excuse. Like, we didn't lose or I didn't play well because of my hand. Don't make it out to be an excuse. And he was adamant. And, you know, it, it is broken. Like, it is badly injured. I don't know if he's going to need surgery or what, but it's not like a minor thing. Right. And Princeton did a great job. You know, up close, you could see every time he got it, they were they were slapping his hand. They were hitting his hand. He was in a lot of pain. And what they would do is they would force him to use that hand. And right. like you mentioned, there was no adjustment from Arizona. I mean, and you could say it was confidence in Umar or whatever, but it played right into Princeton's hands where he's going to have to use that bad left hand in order to, to dribble out of a double or whatever it may be. And he's just not capable of doing it because it's so injured. And, and the high-low, it like I said, Arizona at a certain point became very easy to scout. That doesn't mean that you would have success, but you knew exactly what game plan you wanted when facing Arizona. All right, there were some things, there's some substitution patterns that um, I didn't quite get in a few player things. But first, Jason, if I ever told you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX? Please do, Mike. You didn't answer my question if I ever told uh, you. you have once or twice you have. All right, well, here's the deal. You can throw down five bucks, a measly five bucks if you're a new customer, bet on games, and you can get up to $200 in free plays. 21 and up. Arizona only. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Here's your free money. Parlay everything against the Big Ten. The Big Ten sucks. And granted, you get a lot of people that say, oh, the Pac-12 sucks. The difference, though, nobody says the Pac-12 is good. See what I did right there? Yeah, bet against or bet against all the teams playing today. They're all going to lose. And you might say to yourself, Mike, you're an idiot. I don't believe anything you say. Perfect. Then parlay all of the Big Ten teams to win and then Either way, that's what it is. You could have made a lot of money betting against Purdue. Granted, I thought Purdue would lose in the second round, but they lost in the first round. We will make fun of them accordingly later on in the show. But again, DraftKings Sportsbook app, or if you want to bet on the NBA, um, bet, uh, well, I don't know, bet on the Bucks. The Bucks are really, really good. I expect them to win the title. And so again, DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, and one more, Four Peaks, the official brew of PHNX Sports. Jason, many people uh, associate the four peaks with the four U of A big men right here. Now, um, that but, the official brew of PHNX is four peaks. Now, the St. Patrick's Day weekend, St. Patrick's Day was yesterday, but if you're still alive, you already know the best place to spend St. Patty's Day or the weekend. Four Peaks, 8th Street Pub, of course. Hang with your favorite degenerates and enjoy a good time. Must be 21 or older to enjoy responsibly. Good food, good drink, good stuff. You might even see Shane Diefenbach up there. Okay, now let's talk about, and uh, E.K. Thompson, great point right here about the two bigs. We'll get to that here in just a minute. But I don't understand the the sub, Kirk Creasa, say what, uh, say what you want about him, but Kirk Creasa was absolutely terrible in that game. And in the NCAA tournament, in four games, you could say he's hurt, whatever the case may be. He's three of 24 from the field, and he has four uh, assists and eight turnovers. He has been beyond awful. What is when he's, I get last year, but when you have a guy like Kylan Boswell, what is the reticence from Tommy Lloyd to not play Kylan Boswell when you have uh, 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 
Kirk Risa, who was the worst player on the court? Don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I, I I mean, you look at the box score and Boswell plays 13 minutes total and six in the second half. Um, you know, yeah, he was getting lost a little bit defensively, but it's not like Kerr was, you know, a, a defensive stalwart or anything like that. You can blame it on the arm, the hand, whatever you want. Um, you know, the biggest thing with Kerr to me is like we've always said, when, if his shooting numbers are down, so be it. As long as those assist numbers and the assist to turnover ratios there, I, I can live with a, a few bad shooting nights. But the assists haven't been there. He he doesn't have assists the last three games or so. And so if he's not assisting, yeah, I get the offense may run smoother. But at the end of the day, I mean, Boswell deserved to play at least 20 minutes in that game. I don't know if it was a difference between winning or losing, but I do know that Kerr just wasn't good enough in that game. All right. In my opinion, and again, this is just my opinion. I always preface it by saying I'm Mike Luke on a podcast in a Sacramento Best Western. Tommy Lloyd is the all-time winning his coach's first two years, so take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But I do believe, barring taking on a lesser role, I do believe they need to move on from Kirk Creasa because I think he just limits your upside. He limits how good you can be. All um, Tiger Campbell told a good buddy of ours, and again, take it for what it's worth, it's Tiger Campbell. He says, I'll trust me, he says, the rest of the conference hopes that he stays there forever basically in so many words. I believe that Kylan Boswell has to be the point guard next year. He has the upside. He's the one that can move things going forward. But I don't love Kirk Creasa at the two, mainly because he's undersized. He's not athletic at all. He's kind of a mediocre shooter. Yes, he's a pretty good passer, but he's also not a good defender. Him at the two to me is not a good idea. So I would like to see Arizona, and I believe at the University of Arizona, when you have the prestige that this program has, you should be able to upgrade at that position. Am I wrong or am I right? You know, I, I think if you're going to return Kerr as the point guard, there's adjustments that you need to make to the roster. Number one, Boswell's minutes need to go up. And number two, you need to put athletic defenders around Kerr to make up for those deficits. Right. And, you know, it, it, it's because when you don't have the fix or the right guys around Kerr, your defense will, will falter. If right. Kerr moves to the two, I don't even consider it a shooting guard. I would consider it a two-point guard system because he's not a shooting guard. He's not defending shooting guards. We both right. know that. It would be a two-point guard system, and I think it, it could work very well on offense. The concern, again, would be defense. You better have more mobile guys. You can't go to the Umar Ajula system with Kylan and Kerr as your defensive guards. It's not going to work. So you can bring Kerr back. Um, I think his minutes have to go down a little bit. I think you have to be smarter in how you use them. But I think the biggest thing is you need to make sure you're surrounding him with the right guys or else it's going to fail miserably. Why isn't he a better shooter? We heard all the time, and again, not, not beating up on you, all the people that said this guy's a lights-out shooter, this and that. He's a 36% three-point shooter. That's what he is. He's been here three years. We know what he is at this point. Why isn't he a better shooter? I think the biggest thing, like, if you watch him in practice, and I know it's just practice, he's a great shooter. I think the the issue is that in games, he he doesn't set his feet. Like, he's, he's just shooting. And when he sets his feet, they go in. And when he doesn't, they don't. And he doesn't do that well enough. And you can blame it on coaching or whatever you want. But when he does not set his feet, he, he's just not a good shooter. 
All right, Matthew Bothwell with the super sticker, 20 bucks. Got to give a shout out to my guy, Matthew, right here. Matthew is absolutely uh, take beaten butt and taking names in the Special Olympics. Went and watched him in the sporting chance, and he was the best player on the court. And he did it with humility as well. Passing, shooting, you name it. Matthew Bothwell was there. Dude, we're all super proud of you. Plus, lost almost 50 pounds already in the lab this year by eating 900 calories a day, something that I consume before I even eat breakfast. So Matthew, again, super proud of you, my guy. Keep up the good work, dude. Okay, now, you I think you hit the nail on the head. You've got to get more athletic and you've got to get – you. I don't need – and this is with all due respect because we're big fans of, we're big fans of Cedric Henderson um, on this show. Great kid. Courtney Ramey, I'm totally cool with. But to me, those guys have to be more of your seventh or eighth guys. If they're your starting two, your starting three, I just don't think that's good enough. And I hate giving ASU any credit here, and especially too because I uh, made Desmond Cambridge into the worst player in the world when I texted Shear. But um, you need players like that. You look at what ASU's got. You've got Desmond Cambridge right there. He's a guy fairly athletic, can shoot a little bit, can make some plays off the bounce. And then you got a guy like Warren Washington on the back end that can block shots. They got both those guys in the transfer portal. If ASU can do it, bum ASU can do it. Why in the world can't Arizona get some players at least of that ilk, Jason Shearer? Yeah, like you just need athleticism this time of year. Like I don't think any of us are going to say that. Purdue and, and Fairleigh Dickinson are, are equal teams. But the Fairleigh Dickinson coach said at the end of the game, I thought our style and our athleticism would give them fits. And, and he was right. And in this time of year, the, when you look around and you see the difference in athleticism, that right there is, is why, you know, it, it's it's a big deal. And, and Princeton wasn't athletic. But the problem was, I don't think Princeton was that much less athletic than Arizona. Right. And Princeton that's, got six blocked shots. Arizona, Arizona had one. That's still the biggest stat to me. One block shot for Arizona. And it's like your athleticism shouldn't be comparable to Princeton. And Under like any Baylor, circumstances. Like Baylor, super athletic. I don't know if they'll be Creighton, but I know they're super athletic and they always have it. You look around and athletes are very you, you need to have them. And, and and they make up for a lot of deficits. And when Sean, you know, you, when, when Sean went downhill at Arizona, he stopped recruiting the athletic wings. We still remember what Trevon blew it on Xavier did because no one could guard him right. because he didn't have a wing to guard him. Right. You need that athletic three, four man that can go and guard the opposing team's wing or else you're in trouble. And yeah, and I think you just hit the nail on the head right there. But again, that's the kind of template that you're looking for right there. You got to be able to get guys like that, in my opinion. And again, if they were to do it, look at Texas, for example, right here. Um, again, Texas, good program. You've got a guy like um, you got brought in a guy like a Marcus Carr right there in the transfer portal. You brought in a guy, the Serge Jabari, uh, Serge Jabari Rice. Can't even remember his name now. Um, but guys like that, that can make plays off the bounce. Again, like Doug Gottlieb always says, there aren't pros in the transfer portal. It's a very good point. But there are guys, though, that can make big-time plays, though, when you need them in the at the college level. I don't care if they uh, – I don't care if they can't play, uh, you know, in the NBA. It doesn't matter to me. But you can get those players. They are out there, Sheer. But you also, if you're Tommy, you have to decide. Because if you're recruiting a guy out of the portal – the only guy you're getting that's going to be fine with coming off the bench is a guy like Cedric Henderson from Campbell. 
if you want these major players, they want to start on Arizona. And, and so Tommy has a decision to make. Hence why I think Kerr is a little right. bit is of a, my guy. If he's not my guy, I'm going to the portal and I'm trying to find a super athlete at point guard that can guard or whatever it is. Is Pella going to come off the bench next year? Well, if he is, I can offer a starting spot at the three. Right. And, and, and so that's the decisions that Tommy have to make or else you wind up with a guy like Cedric, who again, we love, but Cedric's not a starter. And, and you're not going to get a guy that's a starter if they're not starting. All right. Betty Cohen makes a great point. And I think this is something that's also bothered me a little bit. Then we're going to get to positivity right here. Um, why do players call him Tommy? I don't like that. Again, keep in mind, this is Mike Luke from Sacramento, but this is, I don't like when, especially when Curl says something like Tommy, I told you we were going to do this. That to me is blurring the line a little bit between coach and player right there. Am I just being oversensitive? No, I don't like it either, but that's just Tommy's personality. It is Tommy. Um, you know, they don't call him coach and, and that's just the way he coaches. He's a player's coach and that's it. That's All not right. changing. Now, keep, like I said, keep in mind, I'm saying that from Best Western right here. Now, we need to talk about what we can do going forward. Going to give a shout out to Scat Freak as well on a comparison that I very much like. I think it was him anyways. Um, but first, Jason Shearer, have you ever been to Circle K? Uh, yes, once or twice. All right. Well, here's the deal with Circle K. And here's what's so amazing about Circle K. We've had many uh, arguments about the worst intersection in Tucson. And... I think that I won on this one right now. Grant and Grant and Alvernon is so 2015 right now. First in or, uh, Oracle in uh, uh, Oracle and Grant to me has usurped that. But you know what? You know what there is right there. There is a Circle K because people like Circle K and Circle K is there to serve the people of Tucson and the people of the United States. Then you go up into the foothills. Guess what you're going to find? A Circle K as well. That's what makes Circle K so unique right there is that they're serving everybody. I'm going off script on this one because I think that it's very true. Now, here's the deal. We're excited to partner with our friends at Circle K. To kick things off, we've teamed up for an amazing giveaway opportunity. Text PHNX to 31310 for an opportunity to win a $500 gift card. See show notes for details. Arizona residents only and Mountain Mike's Pizza. Again, there's a disinformation campaign out there to say that I am Mountain Mike. I am not Mountain Mike because the other Mountain Mike is much smarter than me. He has uh, he has stuff everywhere. You got you can go to Mesa, Chandler, or Tucson, or I'm in Sacramento right now. Jason Shear and I in Ben White's car saw a Mountain Mike's pizza. Is this not true? This is true. You wanted to stop, but we refused. Yep, you just but you know what? I'm gonna back the company line. Head over to mountainmikespizza.com or to their Mesa Chandler or Tucson locations to place your next order. Reminder, new diehards get a $50 voucher. All right, KJ Lewis coming in right, coming in next year. I am a bigger fan of KJ Lewis than I think you are. Um, but at the end of the day, I like what Stat Freak's comparison should be for him. He needs to be, a, and I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be this immediately, but he needs to be a Jalen Clark type. I like that comparison a great deal. Uh, not the most, um, not the most, uh, uh, you know, skilled player initially, but a big time athlete, uh, defends, does all the little stuff. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to come in right away and be very good offensively. I'm, I'm just going to, he, he doesn't have a very deep offensive game. There is no reason why he can't come in and defend and rebound right away. And he instantly become the most athletic player on the perimeter, correct? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so 
So in terms of that, like in, in expectations, you know, don't expect a guy to come in scoring 12 points a game, but there's zero reason why he can't come in at toughness, defensive, and rebounding. That's the type of guy he is. So, Do you, do and, you like the Jalen Clark template, though, for what his career progression should try to emulate? Well, yeah, I mean, Jalen's awesome. And so if, if you could come close to that, I, I think you're going to, you know, I don't, I think he's athletic. I don't think he's, he's the same type of athletic as Jalen Clark oh. is. I don't, he's not, a, he's not as long as Jalen is, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what Arizona needs. Arizona needs guys like KJ Lewis who are willing to come in and defend and rebound. And, you know, the thing with Arizona, again, I don't know if it's culture or what you never talk, you never heard any guy talk about defense. I think Ramey was the only one. Right. Right. What is Adama Ball's future? That I don't know. I think that's very up in the air. You know, right. and, and I will say, uh, you know, Adama looked miserable at times, but he also mm-hmm. took the – I mean, he, he didn't play, but he also took that loss hard. I mean, he was His father out. likes my post when I say that uh, it's a big offseason for Adama Ball. Right. Can Adama Ball leave Michael Luke? I mean, that's something that we got to look out for. I don't know his role. I, I would assume he goes to Tommy, and if Tommy goes – you know, I, I don't know Adema. I don't know if you're going to have a bigger role. I, I think maybe Adema moves on, but I okay. don't know. Fair enough. That's going to be an interesting one to, uh, all right, the great Co- uh, KB Thiel. Philly B, can we expect anything from Philly B? Philly B to me is a total wild card. I don't expect anything from him, but that's not a uh, put down. I will just, I'd like to be pleasantly surprised. How about that? Yeah, and I think what people have to realize is you don't ex- you don't have to expect things from everyone. Like every like, I I think that you know if if Philly B is your eighth man, and, and you're playing him in a pinch, you could do much worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, UCLA has the same type of guys. All the best teams in the country have the have the same type of guys. The problem is Arizona didn't. Right. Um, you know, Philly B had had trouble adjusting. Uh, I think overall to, um, you know, like when he was overseas, he was doing behind the back passes, no looks, all that stuff that doesn't work here in in college at this yeah. level. And so he's got to kind of adjust to that wasn't able to pick up the offense and the defensive schemes very well, but you'd assume a year off in the off season and, and he'll be much better at that next year. All right. Now um, do want to talk a little bit about conference expansion because I think this goes hand in hand right here. Anybody that's watching big 12 and let's be honest here, big 12 Arizona is a basketball school. We're going to get to football, but Arizona is a basketball school. I believe that right now, no way does this roster fly in the big 12. We'd be bottom feet. I don't necessarily agree with that. But I do believe that going to the Big 12 would give Arizona a much, much better uh, immediate observation of where the roster is at that point. Because, again, when your days, when your game's off many times or playing TCU in West Virginia as opposed to Cal and Stanford, you're going to find out really quickly where you stand. And I do agree, though, with what Sky uh, Islander said, that I think Arizona would have been more exposed in the Big 12, granted, the Big 12 is the best conference. If Arizona was in the Big 10, they could have competed for the title. We're going to get to the Big 10 and make fun of them in a little bit. But, Jason, I think that uh, – I think just from a – I think Arizona would be fine in the Big 12, but it might take a little bit of a transition. But let's be honest here. The Pac-12 doesn't prepare you for anything at this point, especially with the L.A. schools leaving. It's a positive transition to me because if you don't have athleticism and physicality in the Big 12, you're done. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would force Tommy to look and be like, you know what? I can get away with this in the Pac-12. This roster this year, once UCLA and USC leave, you're winning the Pac-12 every single year. Right. Easily. Like Arizona would yeah. easily. And so, um, you know, you take a look and and you almost it, – it doesn't really force you to think about your roster. If you're in the Big 12, 
and you go, man, these teams are more physical. These teams are more athletic. And this is what the tournament is going to look like. We better adjust. And I think that's what it would force Tommy to do. It may take a few years, but I don't think Arizona would have a choice if they want to win. All right. Now let's talk about some of this. Some very interesting quotes that when I was stuck in my 10-hour layover at uh, Phoenix Sky Harbor, which I deserved, um, for trying to be smart and uh, trying to be uh, trying to finagle my way out of, you know, e- uh, either way. Um I thought Rob. I thought I thought Bobby Robbins' points were very uh, very interesting when uh, he was talking about the uh, Pac-12, and he said, "You listen, we'd like to stay together, but essentially we've got to also see the we've also got to see the numbers." He then said, "Obviously, we're aware that the Big 12 is a basketball conference." And what really stuck me is when he said, it "Sounded terrible," but what um, what really uh, uh, garnered my attention was when he said, "I was in favor of adding all the Big Twelve teams before, and I was the only president." Jason Shear, that caught my eye right there. Yeah, I mean, he he's basically saying that he's open to the culture of the Big Twelve, and that's something that a lot of the Pac twelve pundits have said. Um, you know, it wasn't a thing. They would never be with the culture. Robbins is different. Robbins is very... Robbins, Robbins likes sports. He's cool. Robbins is the biggest sports fan in the conference. It's it's not even close. And I think what Robbins is doing now is he's setting the table. Mm-hmm. Meaning that if the Pac-12 doesn't come back with what he deems appropriate or good enough, Arizona will leave. And, and it can't be 80% streaming where you're not on or you're on like your Apple iPhone having to watch the game. It can't be that. He's telling everybody, this is what we were told. This is what we expect. But if this doesn't happen and I leave, I already told you why. So, you know, these next few weeks are going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting right there. But I will say this. I'm very glad, and I know that you've had a love-hate relationship with Dave Heakey. But I am much much more happy that uh, Arizona has uh, Bobby Robbins and Dave Heakey leading them than, say, uh, Herb, uh, Herb Crow, um, Michael Crow, <laughs> Michael Crow, and uh, uh, Ray Freudian slip, Michael Crow, and Ray Anderson. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, there's there's presidents. I mean, Crow and Anderson have no idea what's going on. There's other school presidents in the conference that have no idea what's going on. I, I will say that that Robbins and Hickey are very, very involved with this whole process, and, and Arizona fans should feel pretty good about that. Dave was looking sharp yesterday, too. How good is that picture of Dave and Burns staring at Hurley? Oh, yeah, that was, yes, that was awesome right there. By the way, um, all right, real quick, we need to make fun of the Big Ten. I think all Big Ten teams get bounced before the Sweet 16. What say you? Uh, Yeah, who's left? All right, well, I was hoping you had that in front of you. Michigan State loses to Marquette. Which, that's the one that I give them a chance of winning. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then hold on, let me pull it up. I should have. This was terrible I prep. On my I got the top of my head. You ready? Miami, yeah, Indiana. Okay, that's and then uh, Northwestern, UCLA. I think UCLA destroys Northwestern and Maryland, Alabama. And Maryland uh, gets annihilated by Alabama as well. Um, so again, but Purdue, Purdue is the poll, and then again, we're going to get to some uh, football here in a minute. But Purdue is the epitome to me of the classic Big Ten team. You've got Zach Eady and four guys that look like Mike Luke out there. 
And that is a problem, especially when they needed to get shots at the end and you had the guy that looked like me taking a step back three in the corner, which he wouldn't have made one out of a thousand times. That stuff flies in conferences like the Big Ten, and that's why it infuriates me that we all, they always get these talks about how great of a conference it, that it is. They aren't. They suck. We do this every year. And the thing with Purdue that really stuck out to me was they're playing like that was the biggest upset of all time. Arizona's loss was bad. Purdue was favored by 24. This team was 300 in Ken Palm, the worst conference in America, and didn't win their conference tournament. You know what's also worse? Go ahead. They were scared to shoot. Right. If you watch that game, Purdue looked frightened of Fairleigh Dickinson. I've never, I've never seen anything like it. And Fairleigh Dickinson, on top of that, you know what's really crazy about it? It didn't look like a fluke. That was the crazy thing. It no, looked like it if they were to play 10 times that Fairleigh Dickinson would win a few of those games. You know what's even better? Florida Atlantic minus 13 over Fairleigh Dickinson. Wow. <laughs> I checked that this morning. Wow. I mean, so, so Jason Shear, obviously I go over the top a lot of the time. I annoy a lot of people. That's part of my job. But you do agree with me on the Big Ten, though, correct? 100%. We do this okay. every year. Every uh, year. It's got to stop. Now, it's got to stop. We got to be the voices of reason right here. It's got to start somewhere. Um, now, a little bit of Arizona football before we sign off right here. Jason Shear is in Arizona doing its job. I am in Sacramento still not doing my job. So, um, I, but, you know, you got spring practice today. Lamont Love, it'll be up there. Lamont, if you're watching, I expect full updates. Um, but, uh, I'm in on this Arizona team, man. I got some real questions about the defense still, but I think seven wins is a very attainable goal for Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the schedule for the most part. I, I think Arizona's going to be a better team. Um, there's, you know, I, I've heard some glowing reports about some freshmen that, that are going to contribute right away. Who have you heard from? Give us your insight. Give us your knowledge. Uh, the two the two freshmen, I can't pronounce his name. The Hawaii comma. Let's just call him comma, the Hawaiian linebacker. Yeah. Is that good? Yeah, and then uh, I've heard he's been awesome, and Riley, wide receiver, has been awesome. Arizona is not landing Gary Bryant. Um, I don't know if we said that on this show, but that's not happening anymore. Um, Gary and I'm Bryant, fine with that. Gary Bryant wants, from what I've understood, an absurd amount of money. Um, but Arizona is, right now, they're looking at moving Cowing to the outside and letting Green play in the slot. And then Riley's been really good as well. Um, I think actually Arizona originally I had said that if they landed, if they didn't land Bryant, they would look to land a wide receiver in the portal. No, I don't no. think that's the case anymore because Jackson Holman also has been really good. He's, he's another one that maybe we kind of overlooked. Jackson Holman has been really good to start the spring. So Arizona has what it needs at wide receiver. Yes. Arizona does have. And honestly, I've been against adding Gary Bryant mainly because big fan of Kevin Green on, excuse me, on this show. He was fantastic in spring last year. As a matter of fact, one of my few, few quibbles with Jet Fish is that I wish he had played more receivers last year because I think that when you've got smaller guys like Cowing, that can lead to injuries. But, man, especially on the offensive side, and we'll talk more about the defense later, but we're trying to stay positive right now. I think that this offense, though, can really is going to be about as good as there is in the conference. Honestly, it may be outside of, you know, obviously USC. Um, this is a uh, – and at the tight end position, I'm super excited. Obviously, Tanner McLaughlin back, but I'm also very excited to see Keen Burnett. Yeah, I mean, he's added weight and strength. Tanner has as well. Um, Tyler Powell's a sleeper at tight end. That that room is going to be used. And, right. and I agree with you. I, I, there's no reason why 
this offense shouldn't take a step forward from last season. I also get people all the time that ask me, and I'm sure Jason Shear does as well. Well, what am I kidding? Jason Shear gets these questions a lot more than me because Jason Shear is cooler than me. But the best pro prospect on this team is still a guy that is on the offensive line, and that's Jonas Savanea. This is the epitome. If there is a better guard prospect in the sophomore class, a better interior lineman prospect, I would love to see it. Because like, you know, Jed has talked about before and like other people, this is the type of dude that starts at Alabama. He is next level. And again, I think a lot of people maybe miss it a little bit because he's the offensive line. But this is a next level guy that generally does not come to Tucson or heck, many times in the Pac-12 period. We always, you know, we tell you they look different. And when, when we say that, that means that guys like that don't come around Arizona. You right. see him on Alabama or whatever it may be. Jonah looks different. Right. And you saw it as the first minute you saw him, like, oh, and he's bigger and he's stronger and he's better. And you see him up close and you're like, okay, this is what they're supposed to look like. He, he's you know, a freak. You know, one thing this coaching staff really does, and I think outside of the uh, outside of the morons like Chief and stuff, the, um, the this coaching staff does a very, very good job of evaluating players. And you can just look on the offensive line. The other guy that Lamont and I have been talking about all offseason, Wendell Moe, you talk about somebody that was a total afterthought. I think Morgan, he was going to what, Morgan State? Yeah. And this was a kid that played at Pauly. It wasn't like he was buried at, uh, you know, uh, pep tech or something like that. I mean, he was at Paul or he was at Long Beach Poly. Wendell Moe is another guy that he's not in Savanea's class, but if he's all conference by the time he leaves, I don't think anybody on that coaching staff or Jason Shear will be surprised. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks great. And, and he was, I was surprised he played as a true freshman. He had to get, when he first arrived on campus, he was not in shape and got in shape real quickly. Um, look, I, I think Arizona has shown that while, Maybe they don't take as many offensive linemen as people like. They know what they're doing. Like Rhino right. is another one who's on campus now, the coaching staff. Many loves. people don't know Ryan Hansen is playing football for the U of A. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Hansen can do it all. So <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're going to be fine moving forward on the O line in terms of, of the youth movement. All right. And one thing, though, that I want to give them a little bit of ex- uh, a little bit of a shout out on the defense I think the linebacking core is going to be very, very good. Um, we already know what our guy Jacob Manu can do. Justin Flo, by all accounts. And again, we're going to have you on later in the week because I don't get back in until tomorrow. So we're going to need your insight. But uh, Justin Flo, by all accounts, has emerged as a leader immediately. Leviticus Sua in there as well. That all of a sudden is more of what a Pac-12 linebacker needs to uh, uh, Pac-12 linebacker needs to look for. Oh, uh, Ek, great point right there. I do apologize. We got to get back to basketball in a second. But uh, talk about the linebackers right there. Yeah, I mean, Justin Flo is a as another guy that's a physical freak. I mean, they didn't have a guy at linebacker like him, and he almost plays too hard at times, loses focus a little right. bit, but they're trying to kind of make sure that he stays focused and all that, and if they accomplish that, uh, he's going to be awesome. I mean, he has all the tools to be a really, really good linebacker. I miss baby Ray Lewis right there at KB Thiel. That's one of those ones on Twitter. As the kids would say, if you know, you know. All right, real <laughs> I apologize. I buried the lead right there. Good stuff for Arizona basketball going forward. Um, I think in the 2024 class, this is the class where Lloyd really, really needs to be able to make his bones. You got Shamari Phillips already lined up. You got him a uh, top 35 kid. Totally cool with that. Um, Carter Bryant, by all accounts, um, is a heavy Arizona lean. He would be Tommy Lloyd's first mega mega recruit right there where is arizona stand with carter bryant 
Yeah, I would still be surprised. It, to me, it's Arizona until it's not, if it's not. And and I still, I, I think he decides here in the next couple of weeks, probably. I still think it's Arizona. But like you mentioned, that, you know, we talk about elite players. That's Carter. Top five player in the nation, immediate impact guy. That would be Tommy's first. And, and Jamari Phillips is really good. But this would be Tommy's first, you know. Anyone right. that doesn't think Tommy can recruit would have to shut up immediately. Well, right. And then all of a sudden you start looking at a recruiting template right there where Kylan Boswell, yes, I know he played at Compass, but he's a Cal, he's a Southern California kid. You get Kylan Boswell, who no matter what UCLA fans uh, try to say, they would have all liked to have had Kylan Boswell. Same with Jamari Phillips, Carter Bryant. That to me, though, is the news that needs to happen because then I think it gets off the back a little bit of losing out on the Cody Williams types of the world, who you think sucks anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, what am I supposed to ask you about the, uh, all right. I'm supposed to ask you about the, I didn't even see this one. Well, the Don Thomas post this AM. What did you say? What, what did you say? Uh, is this bad are, news? I will, I will say, I, let me, let me say this. There are ways of reclassifying where you don't necessarily play an entire season. All right. So you come in in mid season. There are ways of reclassifying where you don't necessarily have to reclassify for an entire year. I'm saying midseason right there. Jason Shear did not say that. Blame that on Mike Luke right there, as I have absolutely no information on that. But Jason Shear right there with a little bit of a little bit of tidbits right there. I like that. The Shear bomb, as it's being called right here. But all right, Jason, I know you got to get to practice. Um, tell everybody, yeah, I didn't even see this. So uh, I didn't let him off the hook. Um <laughs> the uh, all right, Sheer. Uh, well, he's going to be on later in the week. I can't annoy him as uh, plus he's got to leave. But all right, Sheer, you got any good deals going on? You always got something. Tell the people what's up. Well, I thought Arizona basketball would be playing today, so we, <laughs> so we extended the 50% off deal for the entire weekend. They're not playing today, but I am going to spring football, and everyone needs a place to vent together. So 50% off an annual subscription for the next few days. And you also can get on there and see generally once a week, I get something where I push for about 50 down votes and I wasn't able to get it. I thought I was going to get one this week with the Kevin O'Neill post, but it only got like you said, and you called it didn't get as many down votes as I thought it was only at like 17. Uh, yeah. And you actually have a one that's positive, which, which is very unusual. Oh no, I get some positive ones for sure. Like the one where I, the Kirk Creasel one was a positive one. That was like 25. That's like 25 ups right now. Look at Mike Luke making busy. Look at Mike Luke making moves right there. I'm looking at you. I'm trying to find, you have only 12 down votes for that KO post. Yeah, no, that was, uh, again, I thought that it would be more, but Jason Shear, who is smarter than me said, no, Mike, he said, you will get people that some people will get it, but I do like the people, right? I do like the uh, people right there that do think, that the Kevin O'Neill stuff is serious. And they're like, why would you bring in a, why would you bring in a drunk who hates uh, the players all hate people? It's all, it's just fun. It's good times. And again, uh, big shout out to my guy, Matthew Bothwell. Keep making us proud, dude. You're making moves. All right. I will be back with you tomorrow. Sheer, follow Sheer on Twitter for all the good stuff. If you see Lamont, give him a noogie for me and I'll see you tomorrow, Sheer. Sounds good, man. All right. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.